Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Hi, Father, what words we have here. Amazing conclusion before Revelation. I, I'm just grateful, Lord, that they're there. They remind me of the urgency of the souls that are lost out there, about ready to enter into the gates of hell. And yet, here we have the gospel. We have the message that you've given us through your word, but also through your spirit, in order to profess you and then to help them do the same. So I pray, Lord, this message would help us. And if there's anybody here that is unsaved or within my voice that's unsaved, I pray, Lord, this would be the day that they make a decision uh, to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And for all of us who are here who are saved and within my voice who are saved, We have a work to do, and it's getting more urgent day by day. So I pray, Lord, that that urgency would be the prick that hits our hearts this morning. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some have compassion, right, making a difference. And others, save with fear, look at that, it says, pulling them out of the fire. There are a lot of people today that have got one foot in the fire. They're about ready to go into eternity and burn forever. And I know that's not a popular subject to talk about and preach about. But that's the truth. Uh, Because I've seen some that have been so close and have rejected Christ and went right into eternity. And I know they're praying for us right now. I know they're praying for me uh, to keep doing what I'm doing and for you to keep doing what you're doing because they're suffering in hell and they don't want anybody else to suffer there also. Now, I don't know how well that sets with you, but we need to pull them out of the fire. And I'm always mindful that after I preach or when I preach a message about heaven and hell, there may be someone listening that's within my reach that is about to either enter through the pearly gates of heaven or the painful gates of hell. I'm always mindful of that, and I always pray about that, actually. Death is about to knock on their door, and, and, and they have no idea it's coming. Uh, and they are the ones closest to heaven or hell, depending on what they do with Jesus Christ and, uh, and him as their Savior. So saving the one closest to hell is what I call spiritual triage. That's what I call it, spiritual triage. I often pray before I preach, Lord, save the one closest to hell and the one that is furthest from heaven. Why? Because we never know when our last breath will be taken. And so I have to be very careful about that, to pray about that. And sometimes I have to step over uh, what I call some people that aren't, uh, have heard the gospel and you're still praying for them to get to the one that's ready to, ready to trust on Christ Jesus. So the mastery, I, I thought about this when thinking about putting this together, the mastery of crisis management is vital to saving lives. I hope you understand that. Instant action based on instincts is critical. There are several core principles I'm going to share with you, and then we're going to get into the message, but several core principles that make the case. They confirm it if a, if a crisis is being well handled or not. Yeah, one of them is you need, to be, you need to have a viable plan. We have the gospel. You know, it's a viable plan. We, you need to have an impartial review of the facts. People are going to hell. I mean, you can't 
Uh, we, we can't uh, soften this sinful thing up. Right? Uh, you, need to be a, you need to have a qualified team. Well, obviously, those are the disciples of Jesus Christ. You need, a delegate, you need to delegate authority. As I mentioned Wednesday night, Jesus only spent a few years here, only walked within 200 miles, and yet, how did he reach the world? Well, he made disciples, and those disciples made disciples, and those disciples made disciples. So you need an internal, and you need an internal and an external communication, which we understand. That, me, that would be prayer, you know, for each other and to God. But here's what you also need. You need anticipatory, anticip, anticipatory thinking. In other words, you need to be able to adjust quickly to changing circumstances with a hope, you know, or with an understanding something's going to happen. It really is. I mean, uh, the, the young lady that gave her life to Christ this past week, we've been witnessing two for weeks. But I wasn't sitting back there, oh, she's never going to do it. I'm thinking, no, I know there's a day coming. And I, I was anticipating it and just waiting for that day when God brought her into my house very early in the morning. Amazing, isn't it? You know, Winston Churchill, no stranger to controversy or crisis, noticed, noted that success is hard, especially when good news is in short supply. Uh, in, a, in an exchange reflecting upon her approaching a storm, that he was in and going through or look, and looking back at it, he simply put it this way. If you are going through hell, keep going. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He says the farther back you can look, right, that's behind you, the farther forward you are likely to see. Now I don't know about you, I like that though. I like that quote. Because a lot of life's Trials that we go through, it's like going through what we perceive as hell, even though it's nowhere near like it. But we have to make good decisions based on experiences, logic, and data concerning our faith and our actions. And truly, listen, the truth is, in, in 2004, if you think about it, every soul is worth warning about their sin, isn't it? It hasn't changed in 2024. I said 2004, dating myself. Every soul is worth wanting for the kingdom of God, am I right? Uh, and I, I wrote down, in every soul's worth winning to Jesus Christ. Is that right? Well, that's going to be our theme for this year. Right? So much more for Jesus in 2024. I like the rhyme. I was also able to see uh, this past week, besides Chuck's sister and the young lady at, at our table, I was also able to see Jimmy, our adopted Down syndrome son, um, who he adopted us, by the way, as his parents. Um, I was able to track, uh, put a track into the hand of an old uh, friend of mine whose cancer is back. Uh, and we got an offer on the, uh, the parsonage, which th that'll come shortly, and they'll talk to you about that. But there is still a lot you don't know about me. And, and some stuff I don't want you to ever know. <laughs> but one thing you probably don't know, like I was once a village cop. Yeah, it was only a few weeks. <laughs> I, I was literally, I'm not kidding about this, I was literally the local Barney Fife. They wouldn't give me a gun or bullets until I proved myself. And it was a volunteer position and short-lived because I was impatient because I wanted a gun. That's the only reason I was doing it, I think, I think at the time when I, in my immaturity. 
But this is what I want to talk about today. But one event in my life that has made an impact on me, I'm going to use this morning to set the stage for my message to you. It happened many, many years ago, 40 years ago at least. I was the emergency captain of, uh, for a local fire department in the village for which I lived. The county officials in, uh, of that, uh, where that village was located decided to give our county a training exercise that involved a catastrophic scenario of a passenger train derailment and involving all the fire departments in the county, all the emergency cr crews in the county, and it was located in our village because we were the closest to the uh, railroad tracks. We were to approach it as if it were real, and what it was was a train accident. It was a passenger train accident, it was ready to, and it was to train us to be ready just in case it ever really happened in our area. And it's, and it's amazing that I was at the time, I believe, working on the railroad. So it, when those things happen, it's similar to training our police officers now to go into a school and train you know, teachers and, and students how to react if an active shooter comes into the shoe, school. And it's very, very, very stressful. It's very scary. It's realistic. Uh, my son experienced that at the college that he worked for. He said uh, they came in, and it was so frightening because they actually used real pistols with blanks and fired shots. And he says it was unearthing. He says, uh, in fact, I, I, I've heard other people say that. It's just, it sends chills up here. Well, at this training experience that I was going through, there were hundreds of people involved and several emergency awareness vehicles and agencies in the training. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I want you to stay with me on this because it's a little lengthy, but you'll see why in just a moment. So at this training exercise, there were all these people and, uh, and we knew the day was coming when we were going to do it, when it would happen, and that it wasn't real, but it, was, it still caused panic in my heart. So I sat there at home on, Sunday, on a Saturday morning when we knew the day was going to happen, they just didn't tell you the time, and waiting until the fire alarm, and I was a nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. And here's why. My job in this train derailment exercise was going to be the most significant job of the entire event. Um, actually, I'm, I'm not even sure how I made it through this. I was designated the emergency captain they chose to be in charge of triage. Now, what is triage? Well, let me give you a, a definition of triage. Concerning medical application, it is the assignment of degrees of urgency you give to the wounds or injuries of the patients. You have to determine in order of, you know, preference of treatment according to the severity of the injuries of the wound. Let me try to make it clear. You know, in other words, you might have to step over somebody that's really sick that you think is going to die in order to get to somebody you think might live. So because of the high-speed trail line went right through the middle of our village, they used the village and the train drain derailment as the premises. And there would be many casualties to deal with in the train. Uh, it was very intense, very realistic. It was very frightening. Uh, they made it look like people, I mean, these makeup artists were incredible. They made it look like people had severed limbs, deep lacerations, blood all over the place, broken bones, and some were even dead. So you get the idea, right? 
It was so intense and realistic, it was interrupted by the death of one of our beloved firefighters. Because it was so realistic to him, he had a heart attack right in the middle of the event. And he became one of the casualties of the event. That's how real it seems. And I'm telling you, needless to say, it ended up a very sad day for our, our local fire department. But something happened to me that day that literally changed my life forever, especially for the future. So my job was this. I had to enter a simulated rollover rail car that contained many injury, injured people, lifeless people, and I started to enact medical triage. And what this simply means is I just, I alone had the power to decide who gets priority treatment and in the, in the ministry, ministering of that medical help. So I felt like I was playing God. That's what it, was feel, that's what it felt like. And in a, in, a, in a very real chilling sense, I really was playing God. I was in charge of who would and who would not live. Who would and who would not get treatment trying to save as many people as I could in the process. And I had never been trained in this area. And I'm telling you, I, you can see how it affects me. You can hear it in my voice. I had to quickly assess the situation, the seriousness of the injuries, and decide who would be first to get help and who would wait. Wow. So it was so stressful, my heart was beating out of my chest. The oxygen mask that I was wearing, because it was, you know, there might have been chemical spills, we had to wear oxygen masks, it was just fogged over with fear and anxiety. And this would require making instant decisions that were urgent, and they needed to be the right decisions. I believe a lot of that is even in ministry sometimes. But I entered that car, my mind went blank. Just for a few seconds. And out of fear and nervousness, it just went blank. And I, all, all the first responders, 50, 60 of them, are just looking at me like, what do we do? You know, give us some direction. And uh, I, I just was in a panic. So what I did was, the only thing I knew what to do was, I screamed out at the top of my lungs, if anybody is able to walk, get up, walk out of this car right now. And half the car stood up with all their injuries, walked out of the car, injured people immediately got up, exited the rail car, and then made room. Now remember, they put smoke clouds in this thing, so you couldn't see in there the people and everything. So more than half of the 40 or 50 people in that car got up, exited the car. I did not know it then, but that was the most important command that anyone could possibly make at that moment, and I made it. I made the correct one. And, uh, and a lot of people were saved because of it. I mean, it's, a, it's an exercise. So the next thing I said was this. If you can't move but can cry out for help, cry out for help. Or if you can't cry out for help, raise your hand and do it right now so that we can see you and we can get you out of this car. Well, to make a long story short, it was a successful, successful day for those who lived, but unfortunate for those I had to pass over and who died. And I personally assessed and I felt who were either dead or had little chance of no living. And that's the painful truth about triage. And to think that people actually go through that in real life just saddens my soul. But some, some may die, so some others may live, and that's what Christ did for us. 
he died so others might live. And it was one of the most humbling as well as horrifying experiences of my life. Now let me make the application. Why did it affect me so much? Well, I was awarded for my efforts. They actually gave me a plaque and a trophy, and, and I have never gotten over it because I didn't feel like I deserved any of that. But the reality is, this experience got a lot of my life for a divine purpose. Little did I know then that one day in the future I was going to get saved, and my whole life was going to be based around saving souls. It was all going to be about the triage, the spiritual triage of life. It eventually became my life's ambition, right? Um, totally when I stepped into the ministry a few years later. But I knew the moment I was saved, my business was going to be the Lord's business. It was going to be saving as many people as I can from death. And my primary, primary business since I got saved in 1986 is the saving business. And what I mean by that, saving souls from their sins or saving broken lives, uh, from addictions and saving people from their poor choices, saving broken marriages and broken relationships, saving people that Jesus died for. Right? Everybody is worth something to me. I hope you know that as your pastor. Everybody. I don't even care if they even hate me. They're still worth something to me. That day, 40 years ago, taught me the value of life and the importance of saving lives and listen, everyone, we're living in the most tragic of times right now. And urgency is of the utmost importance concerning salvation. And that training trained me for this day. Now, whether you like it or not, and the truth is, we're just moments away from the gates of hell opening up and swallowing off humanity. We, we're in a train wreck sort of sense. And now we're to the point, unfortunately, of spiritual triage. And I, I never thought I'd ever say that, to be honest with you. But we are. The world is in big trouble, more than it's ever been. It is uncanny how I went through 40 years, what I went through 40 years ago as a training exercise is now happening again in real life, spiritually speaking. When it comes to saving souls from hell and destruction in the times that we're living in, I want to give you three things and I'm done. Right? I told you it was going to be a lengthy start, but these are quick, but these, you need to understand all these things. Just three basic things about triage. Number one is this. There is no time to waste. There's absolutely no time to waste. If we get like I got, the moment I walked into that train wreck and just go silent because of fear, we're going to lose a lot of people. We're going to lose a lot of people. For the sinner, the time for a decision is right now. Urgency is the utmost importance. Every second counts. Every moment is a life and death moment. Every second that goes by is closer to Christ's return. There is no time to waste. Life is fragile, right? And no one knows when that last moment will be on earth. And I just lost another young friend of mine. I just found out this past week uh, that I graduated with. He, uh, he was on the same basketball team with me. He was about four years behind me. I have no idea how he died, but I know he's gone. 
So I want to share with you this illustration. I remember years ago going door to door with the gospel, knocking on doors only to be yanked into a home one day. I, uh, when the door opened to me, a, a, a woman opened the door. I introduced myself as a pastor. She literally grabbed a hold of my shirt like this in my arm and yanked me into the house. And she started uh, like crying. This was so urgent to her. Her husband just got the call no one wants to get. He had uh, stage four lung cancer. And the doctor called and said, the recent report says he's got about a week or two to live. And I want to share something about that day. That day, three calls were made. First, first call was his doctor. I said to him, you only got a couple weeks to live. He had gotten that call just prior to my knocking on that door. The second call was his wife calling out to God. And here's what she said. Lord, send someone to help my husband right now get through this. That someone was me. And the third call was the best one. It was to Jesus by this man crying out to be saved as I was able to lead him to Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He called, he saved, I'll see him again one day. He only died a couple days later after that. Death may be at your door. Listen to me very carefully. This man died two weeks later. He died a saved man, amen? Marion, this past week, died a, same, a saved woman. We waste so much time on worldly and temporary things and put so little or no interest in the hereafter. Do you know that Chuck spent spent years trying to reach his sister with the gospel. And I walk in in one moment. That's not uncommon. He did all the work and all the planning. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, this is what led this young lady to the Lord, and shall believe in thy heart that, uh, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I actually said those words to her. There's no time to waste. Here's the second thing. There's no time to wait. There's no time to wait. Waiting could result in a tragedy. Have you ever thought of this? I've been thinking about this a lot this past week. If I had waited in that simulated train wreck, less people would have, been, would have lived. There would have been no reward given to me for sure. Think about how, because I, want, I didn't tell you that part of it. Everybody that they assessed or that they put in their car had these little tags on them and they were assessed. In other words, this is the injury they have, this is the amount of time they have to live, this is the, uh, that type of stuff was on there. I didn't know that was on there, but that's how they could figure out who died and who made it out and how they assessed the whole thing afterwards. But think about how many people have died simply because they waited too long to see a doctor. Think about heart transplants. We only hear about the successes. Think about all those many heart transplants who, where patients died waiting for a heart. I'm hoping this is reaching your soul right now. You know Babe Ruth in his heyday, he, he held the record for the most home runs in the league. But what most people don't know and most people don't talk about is he also held the record for the most strikeouts in the league. 
in that same year. And I think about all the people right now who are striking out. I think about how many people have died waiting for an ambulance that was stuck in traffic. Or how many people that have died because a police officer couldn't get there because he was at another scene. Think about how lives were lost in fires because they procrastinated on one simple little $10 item, a smoke detector. There's no time to wait when it comes to life and death. Every second matters. But waiting on a decision for Christ, listen, let me put it this way. I want to change that thought. Making a decision for Christ is far more important than all of these things I just mentioned. Because it's an eternal suffering for all of eternity. So all those scenarios are bad, and they make pain, they're painful to watch. But think about the poor soul that has had time and time and time again has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and has not accepted him as their Savior, or her has accepted him as their Savior. You see, when it comes to salvation, a decision has to be made now before it's too late. Waiting may rob you of the opportunity to get saved. In other words, you may never again have that opportunity to be... Uh, to chance to make that decision when death knocks on your door. Thankfully, that, that man had a, a wife that was desperate for help for him. And, and I mean, when I came there, I, I never had an experience like that, to be yanked into a house. But I want to tell you something. Doesn't it say that right there? It says, uh, others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I got some interesting messages I'm going to be preaching in these next couple of weeks, and we're going to hit a lot of issues. We're going to hit a lot of issues like alcoholism. alcoholism. We're going to hit issues like uh, uh, abusive behavior. We're going to hit issues of what this altar is all about. right? What happens at this altar that people sometimes look at it as a stigma. I might even preach that one next week. Maybe, maybe the Lord put that in my heart so I would. When it comes to our year of salvation, a decision has to be made now before it's too late. Waiting may rob you of the opportunity to be saved. Amen? So there's no time to waste, there's no time to wait. And lastly is this, and I'm through. There is no time to waver on this. There's just no time to waver. In fact, if you know somebody that's unsaved and you've been worried about them, tell them to get to the Lighthouse Facebook page and watch this message. You know, don't waste time on it. Just, you know, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I'm telling you, I'm giving you the truth. And I'm not preaching anything to you that's not in the Bible. Just tell them to watch the message. It'll probably probably plant enough seed that they'll be curious. Here's why I say there's no time to waver, right? Because it's an informed decision. In other words, we have this. We're informed. We know all about it. It's right here. Just most people haven't read the Bible. Isn't that sad? They don't even know what's in this book. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't believe all that. And I said, well, have you read the Bible? And they said, no, well, then you're a moron. (laughs) Right? Because that's where the answer is. That's where you'll find it. That's what changed me. God has given us his word so we can make the most informed decision we could ever make. 1 John 5, 12 through 13 is as clear as it could possibly get in the Bible. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life. How much more clear can he get? It has to be also an intelligent decision. 
John 14, 6 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How many don't get that? Man. Like, well, no, there's multiple ways to get in heaven. You know, there's all these different religions. No, there's not. There's one way. He said it. I didn't say it. I am the way. I am the way. It's a decision that needs to be based on the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus came as the way out of the sinful world. The truth is, is we needed to make an intelligent decision when we came to know Christ. It may have been a faith-based decision, but it was intelligent enough to know that if I don't trust Christ, I'm going to die without Christ, and I'm going to spend eternity in hell. And you shall know the truth, and what? The truth shall set you free, or make you free, as the Bible says. And then it has to be an ingenious decision or ingenuous, I guess I could say that, decision, right? It has to be made with sincerity. You can't just flippantly cry out to God. Do you know you can't mock God? If you think you're just going to flippantly cry out some things to him and think, well, that's all I need to do, you're wrong. It needs to be a, a sincere decision. In other words, I don't want my old life. I know where that has brought me and what it's doing to me. I want the new life that's in Christ. That's an ingenuous decision. Listen, it has to be made with sincerity. It has to be made with surrender. And it has to be with complete honesty with God. So it's all up to you, but a decision has to be made. Will you receive him or will you reject him? It's all up to you. That's what this whole Bible is about. It's all about Jesus Christ. The whole book. From front cover to back cover. Every verse in there was put in there for a specific and designed purpose to lead you to Jesus Christ. Every bit of it. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Acts 4.12, if you don't think, you know, if you think there's other ways, listen to this, what Peter said. Uh, 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 neither is there salvation any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved Jesus that's it that's the only name whenever God speaks to your heart and mind and his words burn within your soul Jesus is trying to reach you God is trying to draw you out of that train wreck that you're in and bring you to himself where there is healing and there's hope and there is help and I tell you the truth, when God is after you, he's not going to go away. He's not going to go away. He loves you too much. Right? One of my kids or grandkids are going to get away from me their entire life, so they might, get, might as well get used to it. They get off into sin, I'm after them. Even if it costs me my life, I'm after them. Amen. The right thing to do is to come to him right now with a decision to receive him as your Savior. So in closing, back to my train illustration. You may have wrecked your life, or maybe think you have wrecked your life, but God is here to redeem you. He's here to restore you. I'm sure probably I'm talking to the choir here for most of this, but there's an outside audience coming in uh, through Facebook Live. So let me just tell you these final things. No matter what you've done or where you've been through in this life that has caused you to doubt God, if you're able to get up and get to Jesus, there's life. And I would suggest you in just a moment when the altar call is given, you get up and walk your way all the way to this altar 
and lay your life down before Christ and let him take it up and give you new life. Amen? If you're so weak and you're barely able to continue life, you see what I said, right? We're going back to that train wreck. This is as serious as it gets. This moment that you're hearing the gospel right now. Because your time is fleeting. It may seem like the darkest hour of your life, but Jesus can change all of that. And the Bible says he will come to you with healing in his wings. And we'll do the same thing here. So if you're that despondent, that far down, that you can't even get out of your seat to get out to come to the altar, we'll come to you. You just raise your hand at the end and say, I, I, I do this to me. Just say, I, wanna, I need you to come to me. And I'll come. It will be hard for you to do, but if you raise your hand, and what less strength you have left, you might spare your life from eternity in hell. I learned all this through triage. So let's bow our heads for just a minute. With eyes closed and hearts open, and I understand that most people in this sanctuary are probably saved, but that doesn't negate the responsibility of me preaching the gospel. I remember years ago, one of the most faithful men in our church, he was a deacon, even a deacon. There was a snowstorm. Now listen carefully, there was a snowstorm. He was the only one in his wife that made it to church that day. And as I was up there to preach, I said, what's the sense of preaching? And God said, give the gospel. True story. Your heads are bowed, now your hearts are open. So I gave the gospel to my deacon. Guess who raised his hand? My deacon. All these years, my deacon got saved. And I didn't even know he was unsaved. So with head bows, eyes closed, and hearts open, we invite you now to call upon Jesus and accept his invitation. And be saved. I say it every week. Just admit to Jesus you're a sinner with no way to save yourself. I remember that young lady this past week. I said, do you realize you're a sinner? Nobody's got to tell me that, she said. Your sin debt that you must pay the internal death separate from God in hell. Secondly, just acknowledge that Jesus paid that debt by dying in your place. He covered your sins with his blood. He forgave you, kept you from God's wrath. And now he's alive. He rose from the dead to give you eternal life. So the only thing left to do is make that decision. Just accept him as your savior by faith and the free gift of eternal life that he offers you. Just through repenting and receiving. Repenting means I turn from the way I was going. I'm turning to you. I'm leaving the old man behind. And I want new life in Christ and just ask him. Or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, just cry out to him something like this. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know, I just know that I am a sinner and I now know the truth that that sin separates me from you. I don't want that anymore. I want you to come into my life and save me and then take over my life from here. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask if there's anyone in this sanctuary that just did that for the first time, made sure of their salvation, trusted on Christ and said, Jesus, I want to be saved today. You just raise your hand up and I'll just say amen. I won't embarrass anybody. Is there anybody in here that just, just now 
for the first time, gave their life to Christ. Right? Obviously, I don't see a hand, so I'm hoping that within that, my voice and that, and that live feed that's going out right now, there's somebody raising their hand out there. And I'm praying for you. That you'll be safe and secure in his family, both now and forevermore. And for all of us with our heads still bowed, there's so much more to do in 24. That's our church's theme. My question is, is it your theme? Who would by the raised hand say, it's going to be my theme for 2024 to reach souls for Jesus Christ? Amen. All over the sanctuary. Amen. Almost everybody in the sanctuary. So let's all stand. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.